Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. It is so, so very good to be with you. I'm Jim, and wherever you're at today, we are so glad to worship with you. I serve as a pastor and a host here, and again, it's a privilege to, uh, to worship God together today. If you're a guest with us, special thanks. We really are grateful you're here. We have a gift for you, and we'll send that right out to you. Check in with us, and we'll send out a Starbucks digital, digital gift card and enjoy some brew on us. Today we're starting a new sermon series, really excited about it. It's called The Spirit-Filled Life. We're gonna explore the scripture together. Pastor Spencer will lead us as we really explore how the, the Spirit is a gift from God and we can live life with the Spirit, doing life with God, and to see what God has for us and how we can impact the world and how God can do life with us, again, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're really looking forward to that uh, and we know that God has a message for us all today. If you wanna go deeper, and we encourage you to do that, we have a link, schweitzer.church slash next, and there are sermon discussion questions there and so much more. So uh, en enjoy that, go deeper today, check out that link, you'll be glad you did. And now let's uh, hear from Stephanie. Stephanie's with us to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. It is time to restock the Flourish Food Pantry at Schweitzer. And for the next two weeks, we're asking you to pick up some extra items at the grocery store and drop them off either in the fellowship area or in the office. We're looking for everything from new canned goods to paper products. You can find a complete list online at schweitzer.church flourish. Later in the service, you're going to find out more about how the Flourish Food Pantry is ministering to members of our community in big ways. Easter is coming on April 17th. This year, we are hosting two services, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. As a part of this day, we are planning to celebrate big and we need some extra volunteers. If you would like to be a part of our Easter prep team on either March 22nd or April 7th, please sign up online at schweitzer.church next or talk to Sheila Pippin. During the season of Lent, we are encouraging you to read a scripture each day following along with our sermon series. You can find a card in the lobby today to guide you. If you're looking to join a study during the Lenten season, we have a few going on. One group is diving into a book about the Lord's Prayer and they're meeting on Sundays and Wednesday mornings. And Pastor Jason will be leading a discussion about racial reconciliation, following along with the book, Be the Bridge on Sunday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find out more about current groups and classes at Schweitzer at schweitzer.church groups. One last thing, today at 2.30, we'll be kicking off our spring session of Grief Share. If you are still interested in joining, you are more than welcome to meet us in person in Memorial Hall. Grief Share is a group that will offer tools and encouragement to anyone who has lost a loved one. Each week, we'll explore a different aspect of grief, and you are more than welcome to join even if you have to miss a week. Learn more at schweitzer.church slash griefshare. Welcome to Schweitzer. We are so glad to have you this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. We so appreciate you. 
If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature on your screen. Uh, go ahead and access that and say hi to your friends. Uh, give us your insights. Tell us what's going on. We really love hearing from you. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, and uh, uh, we hope you do, we have people available to pray with you. So uh, prayer is a gift that we would like to give you today. And now on this day that God has given us in this uh, new series that we're beginning, this fresh day, let's, uh, let's worship God together. Let's enjoy each other. Uh, let's worship.
As we come to this time of prayer together, it's always so, so good to, to pray together. Uh, we, as we, we begin this new series, this Spirit-Filled Life, we are going to thank God for the Spirit, our Advocate, that God is with us and for us, and Pastor Spencer will tell us more about the Spirit as our Advocate. But we certainly want to thank God for the gift of the Spirit, and God seeks to uh, do life with us. So today, let's again, let's keep it simple. Let's thank God for the Spirit, for God's presence, and also Let's just seek God's help, God's very help, especially in these times. So let's pray both personally as well as globally. We know there is so much in our world that is heartbreaking and uh, so much suffering. And so we will seek God's help as we pray both personally, locally, but certainly globally, and especially for the people in Ukraine. thank you that you love us uh, beyond our imagination and that you seek to care for us every day. And through the gift of the Spirit, uh, we know that we can have your presence with us always, that you, um, you seek the best for us and that you will see us through everything, through all troubled times. You never promised it would be easy, this life, but your very loving presence and the gift of joy can be with us because of who you are. And so today we, we confess that while you tell us and we really seek, Lord, that to not let our hearts be troubled, that that is hard. And so we need your uh, comfort and your courage, your, uh, your leading and guiding in our very, uh, our very lives, the people around us, and again, especially around the world where people are suffering. God, it is, uh, it is so hard. And so we seek, seek you, and especially in Ukraine, where people are, are seeking peace and seeking uh, to love each other. God, give them strength and give them comfort and give them the, the deep, deep and everlasting gift of hope. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And now we pray together the prayer you taught us, we pray it with confidence and humility in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's generosity and care and God's providing in our lives every day. God gives and gives and gives. And we reflect God's uh, character, His generosity when we give back through our gifts and tithes and offerings. We, uh, we thank you for your generosity that impacts lives, transforms lives, here in our community. And as a church that is so community focused, we love to serve our community. Uh, today we have with us uh, Freddie Lane, who is a part of our partnership with Flourish. 
on the, the pantry here on our campus together, Flourish in the Pantry. And so Freddie's going to give us an update about, again, how through that pantry we provide excellence and caring for our community. My name is Freddie Lane. I work in the Flourish Food Pantry warehouse. I kind of manage the background back there. And I'm going to tell you some of the things that have been happening over the last two years uh, for the food pantry. In 2020, we had 3,351 households that came through the drive-through food pantry. We had 9,729 individuals that were part of that. In 2021, we had 3,095 families or households, 9,494 individuals came through that we serve during the drive-through pantry. Uh, even though these numbers are great and stuff, we have really missed the personal interaction with these families. We want to go back to what we have done in the past, a, a crisis pantry. We have missed the individual contact that we have with these households and the individual guests as they come in. We want to go back to where we can pray with them and also Flourish has many opportunities that we can help these families uh, uplift their lives. Thank you, Schweitzer. With your generosity and support, it makes ministries like this possible. Thank you. Thanks, Freddie. Thanks so much for updating us. We really appreciate you and everyone who serves through the pantry that so blesses our community by providing God's love and care. And we can all continue to give each week by going to schweitzer.church give. So again, thanks for your generosity. And now, now we're really excited, excited to begin a new series. It is called The Spirit-Filled Life. And so let's, uh, let's hear from Spencer. Welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Today we're going to start a brand new series called The Spirit-Filled Life. So for the next six weeks, really from now until Easter, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be a really practical series of, of what does it mean to, to live uh, a life that is full of the Holy Spirit, that has the Spirit moving and working through us. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about being led by the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. What does that look like and what does that mean? Um, and as we get going in the series, it's going to be very, very practical as we walk through this. Uh, we're going to start today in John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with us. And what we're going to do for the next uh, six weeks is we're going to read one teaching from Jesus that's all about the Holy Spirit. It starts in John 14. It ends in John chapter 17. This is one long teaching that Jesus has where he talks about really what does it mean to, to live a life that is full of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're like really, really, really familiar with the Bible. You might hear that John 14 through 17, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's where we're going to be for the next six weeks and think to yourself, huh, that's right before 
the crucifixion. That's right before the cross. And if you made that connection, that's amazing. You're like a Bible scholar to be able to make that connection, but you're exactly right. What we're going to read is these four chapters that happen right before Jesus is arrested and crucified and then resurrected because what we read here in these chapters from John chapter 14 to 17 is Jesus' like last teaching that he has with his disciples, and it's all about the Holy Spirit. So this is them uh, sitting around the table after dinner at what we call the Last Supper. I'm sure they didn't call it that, but we call it the Last Supper. And as they're sitting around the table, Jesus has this lengthy teaching, this lengthy, lengthy teaching about, about what's going to happen next after the crucifixion, after he's taken from them. Uh, what's going to happen next? And, and what's going to happen next is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is going to be given and we're going to have this Spirit-filled life. And so that's what the series is going to follow is this teaching of Jesus, very, very practical teaching of Jesus about the Holy Spirit. So today, John chapter 14, we're going to start at the very beginning. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1. This is a really famous verse. Probably you've heard it before. But here's how this teaching begins. Jesus says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Remember, he's talking right before the crucifixion. This is the Last Supper. So do not let your hearts be troubled. He's talking about what's about to take place. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And if you're reading from your Bibles, you should circle that word way because so much of what we're going to talk about today is hinged on this word way. Now, of course, this, this passage we just read is really, really famous. If you've ever gone to a funeral, you've probably heard this passage read. This thing about my father's house having many rooms and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I mean, it's a very, very famous, very, very famous passage. And of course, when we read this, we probably hear one thing. But when the disciples who are sitting around the table that night with Jesus, after sharing the cup and the bread and, and hearing this teaching, they would have heard something else entirely because there's something here that Jesus is referring to that in the first century would have made perfect sense to their ears. But to us, kind of just goes right over our heads because it's a different culture. You see, in those days, what would happen is, is that families would live in multiple generations, would live together in, in one home. Uh, sometimes almost a compound almost where, where multiple, multiple generations would live together in one home. And so a, a, a family, a, a couple would get married and instead of, you know, living off, moving off, moving away and going to live in their, you know, studio apartment, 400 square foot studio apartment like my wife and I did because that's all we could afford. Instead, what would happen is that the new husband and wife would move in with his family. I'll let that sit with you for just a second. The new family, this new couple being uh, just established and, and getting going, as they're established, they, they move in with the in-laws. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go, but this is, this is what took place in those days. And, and what would take place then is that the patriarch of the family would add on to the family home a room. And so as Jesus is talking here about in my father's house are many rooms, he's, he's talking about this practice of these generations living together and, and how these new families were really part of this whole family would come together. And, and what really Jesus is talking about here is that is that through him, you are part of the family now. You're part of the family. There's a place for you just like there is everyone else. And it's really an incredible, incredible metaphor. Now, of course, we know that what Jesus is talking about here is salvation. Like we know he's talking about heaven and this experience we have uh, living eternally with the Father, this, this house that he has for us. Like we know that. But, you know, everyone sitting around the table that night 
they wouldn't have known that that's what Jesus is talking about, that the way to the Father he talks about here is through faith, it's salvation. They have no idea that's what he's saying. And so we keep reading here, verse 5. They don't get what this is about. So verse 5, Thomas said to him, uh, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Well, Jesus answered, very famous verse, sometimes controversial verse, but very famous verse, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Very, very famous, important verse that I am, Jesus says, the way, the truth, and the life. Crystal clear. That, that the way to the Father, the way of the Father's house, the way to salvation, it is through Jesus Christ. So Jesus didn't come to show us the way to the Father. He didn't come to give us the, the steps to take. He didn't come to show us the religion that gets us to God the Father. He didn't come to give us a recipe or a list of rules to get to God the Father. He himself is the way crystal clear. He is the way to the Father. And so when we have our faith in Him, our trust in Him, this is what we experience. And again, of course, we understand this. We get this. But everyone around the table that night, they would not have understood this. And so verse, verse 8, again, they're not getting it. So Philip speaks up. And Philip said, Lord, show us the way to the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, probably a bit exasperated at this point, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, everyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is a Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, when I read the Bible in church, um, I always read from the New International Version. People ask me sometimes what version I'm reading from. It's always the NIV. It's my favorite translation. If you want to follow along, I encourage you to get an NIV because that's always what we read from. If we deviate from that, I always tell you it's a different translation, but we're reading from the NIV. And I love the NIV. It's, uh, it's easy to read. It's accurate. Uh, it's, it's a good translation. But sometimes the NIV does these things that really, really annoy me. And so sometimes what you see in the, in the Bible translation that we read from here is that the NIV will, will take a section of scripture and then for whatever reason put a header in there and, and uh, disrupt what it is that you're reading. And so in the NIV to right here where I, I come to verse 15, verse 14, there's a header there and it says this. It says, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And I hate this. It's so annoying to me. Because it's almost as if what you start to read here is that you're reading a change in subject matter as if, no, now we're going to talk about something else. When what we were just talking about is over, it's like put an end to that sentence, let's start this new idea, new thought altogether. But that's not how this works at all. This is like one continuous thought that we're reading here. And oftentimes when people preach or teach or read from John 14, this is a point, this verse is a point where they make a, a, a delineation and and they start a new section. They think a new thing is being read here, but it's really not. Like when John was writing, John chapter 14, he's writing this. 
He didn't put a subject header in there. And when Jesus was sitting around the table that night, he wasn't like, and now I'm going to tell you about the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's not how this happened at all. This is one long thought. And I want to make this point because everything we're about to read is directly connected to what we just read. This line about my father's house having many rooms, this, this idea about uh, how we're part of the family, this, this, this truth about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and all the uh, questions the apostles are asking about, well, how do we know the way? Like all of those questions, all of those points are still going to be talked about here in John chapter 14. So let's keep reading. This is the next verse, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. Again, if you read from your Bibles, you should uh, circle, you should underline, highlight that word advocate. It's so, so important. So he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, AKA the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. Of course not, because remember, this is connected to what Jesus said earlier. I'll not leave you as orphans because you're part of the family. There's a room for you in the house because you're part of the family here. So I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. And before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. And so here we have Jesus promising this gift of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit, he, he promises the Holy Spirit. And he uses this word, very important word. He calls the Holy Spirit uh, the advocate. I'm going to send an advocate for you. Now, other translations will say this differently. Some translations will say, uh, I'll send a comforter or sometimes a helper. And, and those are words that you might see in different places, and they're, they're kind of helpful words, but they're really, they're really pretty bad translations of, of what this word is really getting to. Remember, we're reading a translation, and the original Greek that's used here is the word paraclete, which is an incredibly important word in the Bible. It's not a word that's used all that often, and when it is used, it's always used to describe the Holy Spirit. But in the wider Greek-speaking world of the first century, this word paraclete, what it really meant was, uh, was an advocate like you would have in court. Like uh, somebody who's going to guide you and lead you and give you counsel and help you understand the steps to take. That's really what the advocate is about. And so sometimes while this is translated as helper or sometimes as, as comforter, uh, what, what this is really getting to is something deeper than just making you feel better or just like a buddy who's going to be with you. What this word advocate is really getting to is that this is somebody who's going to be with you no matter what. This is somebody who's going to have your back no matter what it is you're facing. This is somebody who is committed to you, somebody who will be at your side, somebody who's going to tell you and help you understand what the next step is. This is the promise that we have of the advocate, the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, what we were talking about with the advocate here, the Holy Spirit, we have to remember this isn't just in, uh, by itself here. This is part of this larger context, part of this larger teaching that Jesus is giving around the table that night as he's talking about how to get to the Father, the way to the Father, how he is the way, the truth, and the life. Remember the questions that were being asked were, well, how do we get there? How do we know? How do we understand this? And Jesus' answer to this is very simple. How do we know the way to the Father? Well, the Spirit of truth will guide you. How do we know the way? How do we stand in the family? How do we know if we stand in the family? Well, I'll tell you how. The spirit of truth will guide you. 
This is what the Holy Spirit does, is he's going to speak to you and lead you and guide you, and he's going to confirm to you what it is that God has done and promised in your life. And of course, this is something we see in other places in the Bible. One of the most clear places you, you see this promise uh, expressed is in Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Let me read you just a few verses from Romans chapter 8. Uh, then we're going to start reading verse 14. And as we read this, oh my goodness, it sounds so much like what Jesus says in John 14 with what we just read. So listen to this. This is Paul speaking. And he says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. How much does that sound like John chapter 14? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Why? Because we're not orphans. There's a, there's a house with rooms in it that are made for us because we're part of the family. This is how this starts. Then we keep reading here. Uh, verse 15 says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or, or daughtership because you're not an orphan. You've been brought as part of the family. This is what God has done in you. And so you don't have to live in fear, always wondering what if. Instead, no, 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 you can have a confidence that comes because you have the Holy Spirit at work in your life and you're now adopted to sonship and daughtership because you're part of the family. Keep reading here. It says, and by him that is through the Spirit, we call, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is, a, is an Aramaic term and it, and, it, and it means, it's like an intimate term, like, like, like a little child would use with their father. It means daddy is what it really means. It's intimate, it's family, it's very close and personal because this is the relationship we can have with our father who's made a space for us in the house that he owns. So we cry, Abba, Father. And again, here comes verse 16. This is so important. If you're reading from your Bibles, underline, highlight, circle these verses. They're so important. We read this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's children. Go on, it says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So one more time, I'm gonna read this verse to you one more time. Romans 8, 16, so, 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 so important. Here's how it goes. Um, The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now let's connect some dots for a second. How do we know the way to the Father? Well, the Spirit of truth will guide us. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself will testify to our our spirit that we are God's children. How do we know how we stand with the Father? Well, the Spirit of truth will guide us. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself will testify to our spirit that we are God's children. As we connect the dots here, one of the things that we see that the Holy Spirit does is he speaks to us about our standing with the Father. Now, theologically, we call this truth, we call this um, assurance. And simply put, assurance is just how the Holy Spirit will speak to us and lead us and guide us to assure us and give us confidence that we stand before God as beloved children. And, and, And this confidence that we receive through the Holy Spirit, this assurance that we receive, it makes a ton of difference. Because all of the questions and doubts and fears we might have that that sometimes lurk in the back of our minds about our standing with God are gone. And what happens when those fears and questions and doubts are gone? Well, what happens is we can have a kind of confidence that, that will allow us not to be slaves to fear, but become children who are confident and understand their father and call him Abba and, and now can live in a totally different way. This assurance, oh my goodness, it changes our lives. 
Let me, let me give you two examples of this, this assurance, how, it, how it's so powerful and changes our lives. Let me give you two examples of this kind of inaction. Um, one example is from history, and then one example will be a, a, a bit more modern. So uh, from history, here's a historical example of this. Uh, Schweitzer is a church, as we call it, a church in the Methodist tradition. And I know that we have people who come to our church from all kinds of other traditions and some non-traditions. Uh, people just come here from all kinds of different places in their, in their, in their life. But Schweitzer is a church that comes uh, in the Methodist tradition. And in the Methodist movement uh, that was founded in the 1700s, the founder of the Methodist movement, his name is John Wesley. And John Wesley's story is really fascinating. He grew up incredibly religious. He was a, a preacher's son. His father was an Anglican priest. And when Wesley went off to college, he went to Oxford to study theology. And, and while he was in college, he started a club. And can you guess the name of the club? He's religious, very, very religious. So the name of the club was the Holy Club. That's how religious he is. And, and it's like exactly what you think it is. It's about accountability and Bible study and serving other people. It's, it's the Holy Club. When he graduated college, uh, Wesley himself became a, a preacher, became an Anglican priest in the Church of England. And, and uh, he didn't just want to serve a church. So he went uh, as, a, as a missionary overseas to the, to the New World, to Savannah, Georgia, to the colonies, where he became a missionary to the Indians, to convert the Indians. That was what he went off to do. And so this incredibly religious guy grew up in the church, grew up with a preacher as a father, uh, joined the whole, started the Holy Club when he was in college. He uh, is an ordained uh, minister. He's now a missionary. He goes off and does this missionary work and his missionary work is just a complete failure. Oh my goodness. It's, it's almost humorous how bad it goes. And so he, he leaves after a little while, uh, just complete failure. He's hanging his head low and he goes back, sails back to England. And on the way back to England, there's this storm, just terrible storm that the ship sails through where Wesley, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he thinks he's going to die and he finds himself just terrified. Again, think about this. He's an incredibly religious person. His whole life has been about religion. Every step of the way, he's been about religion. But he had this moment where he realized, like, I don't know if I actually stand forgiven before God. And, and his whole life has been religious. And he all of a sudden realized religion wasn't enough. I needed something more than that. And so he goes back to London. One night, his brother invites him to a Bible study and he doesn't want to go, which I love the honesty. In his journals, he says something like, I very unwillingly went. I just love the honesty. And while he's there, he, the Bible study leader is, is reading from the book of Romans. And, and Wesley has this moment of clarity, just this like light switch moment that changes his life. And in his journals, he describes, I want to read to you this. It's a really famous passage, in, at least in Methodist world. It's a very famous passage about what happens when the gift of the Holy Spirit, this assurance comes upon someone's life. So here's what Wesley writes. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This is assurance. As we read in John 14, uh, the spirit of truth is speaking to him, leading him into all truth as the way to the Father. Romans 8, 16. What's happening here is that the spirit is testifying to his spirit that he is a child of God. This is not like when Wesley made a decision to follow Christ, but rather this is where he encountered this gift of the Holy Spirit and his life is changed because he found a confidence in Christ. Now, of course, what Wesley's going to do is that this confidence is going to start a fire within him that for the rest of his life, he is going to really live for one purpose, and that is to tell others 
about the good news of Jesus, that they too might be saved. And Wesley will go from being this person who depended on religion that could not provide for him until he discovered Christ. And and what's going to happen is that Wesley himself will become this catalyst of what historians call the Great Awakening. He discovered that religion couldn't save him, but Jesus could. Now let's tell another story. This one's a bit more modern because this one's my story. My story is also in similar ways to Wesley in that I grew up in a church. I grew up religious. I grew up going to church, Sunday morning worship. I grew up learning the Bible in kids' Sunday school. I grew up knowing the stories of Moses and David and Noah and you name it. I I learned it. I knew the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. I knew even the Gloria Patri. Very, very religious upbringing. I went to youth group and Sunday school and youth camps and mission trips. And, and, And honestly, as you grew up in church, one of the things that happens is you don't realize sometimes what it all means because you think what it means to be a Christian is that you do these Christian things. When I was 16 years old at a youth group event, I had this experience of clarity. I'd never had anything like this in my life where all of a sudden I realized that if I were to die, I would stand before the Lord forgiven. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to spend any time on it. I just, all of a sudden, I just like, I know that I know that I know that I'm a beloved child of God. Not because of my religion, not because of the things I do for God, but simply because of what Jesus has done for me. And that moment of clarity changed my life. Because there there was a fire that was started within me that still burns that wants other people to experience this, this clarity that comes from knowing that you are a beloved child. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, one time I told somebody that story. Uh, This is somebody, a friend of mine who didn't go to church and really didn't have much faith at all. And I told him the story about myself. and, And my friend, he looked at me and he said, he said, Spencer, that's an incredibly arrogant story. And I was kind of taken back for just a second because I thought I, thought I was sharing good news. But he, he told me this is an, is an arrogant story. It's an arrogant thing to think that you know that you're saved. It's arrogant to think that you know you've done enough, that, that you know that you don't have to do anything more. You know that just God just, just fully accepts you and affirms you and loves you and, and, and welcomes you to his kingdom. Like it's, a, it's an arrogant thing is what my friend said to me. And I, I was taken aback by this. But as I reflect back on that conversation, I realized something. I realized that that's how a lot of people live. In fact, that's how a lot of religious people live. A lot of religious people will live with this fear that what they've lived in their life isn't quite enough. And yet what we have here, this promise that Jesus gives us from the scripture is that the spirit of truth wants to lead you to the Father. The spirit of truth wants to advocate on your behalf, wants to guide you and and live for you and give you a sense of assurance that your life, that you're standing with the Father is absolutely secure. And when you have that confidence in Christ because the Holy Spirit is at work in you, oh my goodness, your life is gonna change. Because when you have confidence in Christ, you know what you can do? You can let go of that baggage from the past. You don't have to keep living, looking behind you. You you can stop chasing what everyone else in the world is chasing and spinning your wheels, trying to get ahead because you've tasted something better. You don't have to live your life consumed by worry and anxiety and stress like everyone else does because you know that the goodness of God surrounds you. You you can live your life free from the pressure of, of always caring what everyone else thinks about you because you know that you are a beloved child of God and God's opinion about you is the only one 
that matters. You can forgive those who have hurt you because you have experienced the forgiveness yourself. Like, like when you know this truth about how you stand with Christ, there's gonna be a fire that is lit within you that is gonna burn brightly so that you can tell other people about this. This is the gift that happens with the Holy Spirit. So in this series, as we go through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit-filled life, listen, we're gonna talk about all kinds of things. But today, as we start, we need to start here with this truth about the advocate and the gift that he wants to give you. This gift of confidence, this gift of the freedom from fear, this gift of assurance that you stand as a beloved child of God. You're not an orphan. You're not an outsider. There is a room for you in the Father's house. And so today, as we close, we're going to do it every week in the series, is we're just going to pause and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, wherever we may be today. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the gift that he has for us, that, that no matter what our lives might look like today, we can receive from him in faith the promise he has for us. Let's pray. And so, Father, today, we do ask you for the gift of your spirit to fill our lives. As we think about this first promise that we see from John 14, the advocate who comes to show us the way to the Father, I pray for anyone here who doesn't have the confidence of knowing that they are a beloved child of God. Lord, today, would you, through your Holy Spirit, speak powerfully these words of encouragement, these words of confidence, these words of acceptance, these words that, that they are not orphaned, that they are not outsiders, that they stand absolutely forgiven by you. And as we have the clarity and this confidence of assurance, Lord, would you start a fire within us that we don't have to keep looking backwards in our lives. We don't have to hang on to hurt. We don't have to chase after things that don't matter. We don't have to live with worry and anxiety because we know who we are in Christ. And so, Father, I pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit to fill us. For anyone today who doesn't know the promise of Christ, with a simple prayer, we just ask, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin? Would you lead my life? And we know that we, in a prayer of faith, we know that we stand forgiven because of what you have done for us. In the name of Jesus today we pray, amen. Wow, what a, what a great, great day of worship. Thanks everybody for being here. And a special thanks today, as always, to Stephanie for keeping us connected. And a special thanks today for Freddie. What a character he is in leading the pantry, but we really appreciate him. Also to the worship team for helping us to engage God and to really experience God's presence. Thanks so much. Spencer, for the message, the message of, of the Spirit, the, uh, the hope that we have through the Holy Spirit and how we can really live life with God. Thanks so much for that. And if you know anybody who could benefit from this message, that it would really uh, bless their life. In other words, make them uh, have a better day, that they would have uh, uh, just be better off for having heard this message. Share it on social media. We really appreciate that as well. And now uh, as we head into uh, this, this next week, week two of the Spirit-Filled Life, we just hope you have a really good week. Uh, let's continue to pray for each other in this world, and we look forward to seeing you back next week.